What's up and welcome back. It is episode number 36 of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. I'm Dan Ball. And I'm Matt McAuliffe. And we have a fantastic conversation coming to you from earlier this week. We talked to the head coach of the volleyball team here at Quinnipiac University, Kyle Robinson. So we'll talk a little bit about that conversation coming up. But Matt, we're starting to get to that interesting point now. We're in the middle of October when we're recording and releasing this episode. So now the men's and women's hockey teams are starting to get going in their regular season play, getting closer to the East. CAC. But right now we have some teams in the MAC that are getting closer and closer to their tournament time. Yeah, and tournament time is the most important time. I mean, that's why you do those summer workouts and work so hard and train over the summer. You prepare for conference play. And it is the most important time to collect wins because if you don't collect wins, it's the end of your season. We'll tell you about the wins, losses, and everything else in the rundown the week that was in Quinnipiac Athletics. Starting with the news and notes, Quinnipiac University and the athletic department will host Boomer's Boo Bash, a Halloween-themed community event on Saturday, October 26th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on the quad. The event is free and open to the public. Attendees can participate in various fall activities and game booths run by student athletes and student organizations while enjoying food trucks, bounce houses, face painting, trick-or-treating, prizes, and more. Halloween costumes are encouraged, and Quinnipiac will also accept non-perishable food donations for the Hamden Food Bank during the event. So again, Saturday, October 26th from 11 to 2 is Boomer's Boo Bash. And Dan, the Quinnipiac softball team will conduct a fundraiser for the Best Buddies Connecticut organization. On Saturday, October 19th, the team will host a batting competition at the Quinnipiac softball field, and all donations will go to Best Buddies Connecticut. Participants will receive at least 10 throws and will try to hit targets in the outfield. Each target will be associated with a different prize. Prizes are available for participants, including two tickets to a New York Yankees 2020 game in the Audi Suite and two infield grandstand tickets to a Boston Red Sox game in 2020. There'll be gift baskets, gift cards, and more. And guess what, Dan? I, I, I... Put my name in. I'm gonna I'm gonna take ten swings. There you go. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try and win some prizes. And it's for a great cause. So if you get a chance on Saturday, make sure you come out to that fantastic event. To the schedule we go. The men's tennis team is visiting the ITA regionals at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia Thursday through Sunday this weekend. So good luck to them. And the women's tennis team is also in the ITA regionals, but at Army in West Point, New York. That goes Thursday through Sunday as well. To the course we go. The golf team won their match play versus Fairfield on Wednesday. They are headed to the Lehigh Invitation hosted by Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Sunday through Tuesday. And the rugby team, they lost 52-38 to at Dartmouth last Saturday. They're off until October 26th when their play for regular season comes to an end. To the cross-country teams, the women's team finished fourth out of 22 teams at the New England Championships last weekend, so congratulations to them for a fantastic weekend up in Boston. The men's team is headed to the Princeton Invitational in New Jersey on Saturday. And the field hockey team, they had a tough 2-1 to loss versus Villanova last Friday, and then a 4 to nothing loss at Maine last Sunday, and they are at Providence, the number 25 team in the country, Friday at 6 p.m., and then they are home against Yale on Sunday at 2 p.m. To the pitch for the men's soccer 
soccer team, they tied Niagara 0-0 last Saturday, so a draw if you're a soccer fan. They're home against Canisius this Saturday at 2 p.m. before visiting Monmouth on Wednesday at 7 p.m. To the women's side, the women's soccer team had a 3-0 win versus Niagara last Saturday and a 1-0 win against St. Peter's. That was Wednesday, and Emily Lowney put home the only goal. Quinnipiac women's soccer freshman midfielder Olivia Scott was named the MAC Rookie of the Week for the second time this season for her play from October 6th to the 13th. The freshman midfielder scored the Bobcats' third goal in a 3-0 shutout victory against the Stags, and she also scored the second Quinnipiac goal in the 43rd minute of the second 3-0 shootout win against the Purple Eagles. She now leads the team with nine points on three goals and three assists. And yeah, that's a freshman. This team is at Iona on Saturday at 1 p.m., and then they are home against Manhattan Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. Up to the People's United Center we go for the men's hockey team. They won their weekend series against AIC last weekend. They had a 3-2 win against AIC at home on Friday, and then they won by that same total on the road on Saturday. After the weekend sweep of AIC, the Quinnipiac men's hockey team moved back up in the polls as the Bobcats are ranked in the top 10 in both National polls as not released a big on deal, Monday. Not, not a big, a big deal, deal at all. The Bobcats moved back up to number eight in the USCHO.com poll and rose three spots in the USA Today poll to number 10 in the nation. So the Bobcats are hot heading into their two-game series at home against Maine on Friday and Saturday, both games at 7 p.m. To the women's side of the ice, it was a 3-2 to two win against Maine in overtime last Friday. And then they had a 0-0 tie at Maine last Saturday. Freshman forward Sadie Peart was named the ECAC Hockey Rookie of the Week for play from October 7th through the 13th. The freshman recorded two goals and a 3-2 overtime victory against Maine. This is the second straight ECAC Rookie of the Week award for this team. They are off this weekend, but host Sacred Heart for two games next weekend. And the final team on our rundown, the team we're focusing on for today's episode, is the volleyball team. They dropped a 3 to nothing match at Ryder last Saturday, but responded on the road at St. Peter's with a 3 to nothing victory on Sunday. So the volleyball team is home for two matches this weekend. They host Canisius on Saturday at 1 p.m., and then they're home against Niagara Sunday also at 1 p.m. And today, Matt, on the show, the two of us got a chance to talk to Kyle Robinson, the first-year head coach of this volleyball team. We talked for over 40 minutes in this man's office earlier this week. He has an incredible story about how he grew up in Philadelphia, started as a swimmer, but then got into volleyball, went all the way around the world to play his sport. And one of the things that we could really tell during this conversation was just how much he loves the sport. He loves the sport, and another thing that stood out to me was how much he wants to grow the standard of Quinnipiac volleyball. He he said it straight up to us, like it, it hasn't been as high as he think it can go, and I love that he's trying to raise that bar. He wants to make this volleyball program a consistent MAC contender. He wants to win championships and get to the NCAA tournament. So we talked to Kyle about his playing career, his coaching career, some of the accolades he got while being the head coach at LIU Brooklyn. An incredible conversation, and here it is. <laughs> Just to quickly run through uh, some of the stuff. So came here uh, January of 2019, Mm -hmm. uh, formerly the assistant coach with Oklahoma. Correct. Um, And then 2008 to 2015 with LIU Brooklyn. That was that's one of the times that I want to talk about a little bit more. Sure. Some of the 
Mm-hmm. The things on that rap sheet, I mean, between <laughs> five five NCAA tournament appearances, five NEC titles, four Coach of the Years, yeah. like that's a, that that's not the worst uh, the worst stretch. That ever. was okay. I mean, <laughs> it, you know, it's uh it's work. It's it's what I love to do. Yeah. Um, it really isn't work because I'm passionate about it. Um, just as, as much as I'm passionate about music, like we were talking about. Yeah. So um, I have fun with it, and when you have fun, I think um, good things happen. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's hop in. And we're back on the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast, episode number 36. Matt and I are here. We're in the Athletic Center here on main campus. We're joined by the head coach of the Quinnipiac volleyball team, Kyle Robinson. Kyle, what's going on? Not much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys coming up. Thank you for for joining us. So it's been a pretty interesting last 12 months or so for you, uh, I would Mm -hmm. assume, joining us here uh, at the beginning of January 2019 as the coach of the volleyball team here on campus. So First of all, you know, uh, we want to tell your story and, and kind of how you ended up here at Quinnipiac. But first of all, uh, let's talk about your team, some of your, your early impressions of the 2019 season. What have you seen from your team so far? Um, growth, you know, I think is a great word. You know, we came in, uh, myself and, and Katie, uh, your Ricky, our assistant, and um, implemented a lot of change. And with change comes um a lot of uncomfortable time and situation and a lot of teams or people will crumble underneath that those uncomfortable moments um but our team has grown um i can tell you the record doesn't uh, our record doesn't reflect how much they've grown and how much hard work they've been putting in but every day we go in the gym we get better um the girls are eager to get better eager to learn um, which makes our job as coaches a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable with this growth, uh, mm. what I heard was, and we heard this early in the school year, in the fall, there was a camping trip. Was there yeah, a team camping trip for growth? Uh, yeah. Can sure. you kind of tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so, you know, uh, I'm going to get the years wrong, but let's call it 2003, uh, when my wife and I, we were living in Colorado. Um, that's where we were both were with the U.S. national team for a while. Um, she was teaching at a small private school. I was coaching the volleyball team at the same school. And she had a, uh, an assignment that she had for her kids. I forget which grade. But it was on the water or you know, how water affected different towns around Colorado. So she came up with this idea to take the kids on a camping trip. Okay. So uh, here she and I are, two vans, probably, let's call it 15, I don't know, 8, 9, 10-year-old kids, which would never, ever happen in this day and age. Right. You know? yeah. Um, yeah. But just the two of us in uh, these two 15-passenger uh, vans traveling around Colorado and New Mexico for a week. Uh, we take the kids to uh, fish hatcheries. We would take them to... Uh, earth ships, which are homes built out of recycled materials, but how they use the water. Uh, we take them rafting, um, all these different things. And in that week, we would see the growth of not only these kids individually, but how they work together. So the kids uh, set up every tent at every site. They set up or they cooked every meal. Um, they did everything. All my wife and I did was just get them to each and every spot, make sure they were safe. And, you know, we brought back the 15 kids that we left with. <laughs> yeah. um, just count them. Okay, we got yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah, we got, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, it was just this cool thing that we saw, um, this kind of growth and change and uh, unity in just school kids. We were like, well, how come we're not doing this with our teams? And that's where it all began. You know, us 
putting them in situations which are kind of new for a lot of people camping you know we got a lot of kids from you know the city, the city or area. close enough to yeah. the city where yeah. they, they've never really been out camping yeah. um and let alone camping where they have to do everything cook a meal start a fire put up a tent properly um working together uh these type of things that are really um important in a team environment you know Takes them out of their comfort zone. Sure. I mean, I would be out of my comfort zone. Yeah. I'm a oh, kid really? who's nine miles south of Boston. <laughs> okay. Like, I've never yeah, been yeah. camping. Yeah. Like, the, to start my own fire for a meal scares me. Yeah. So it, it's I'm a sure little crazy some of your players had to adapt and yeah. sure. you know, stay mentally strong and you learn a lot about a person when they're, 100%. When they're under stress. Yeah, you, you start to see leaders. Um I always like seeing the people who want to be leaders, but they're a little bit afraid of the the fallout. You know, who's going to like me? Who's not going to like me? Do I care about being liked? You know, all these things that within a team are important, you know, because to work together, you've got to maybe step out of who you are, you know, and not worry about the fallout from other people. They're... um, the way they view you, the way they, they see you now versus how they saw you maybe a week prior. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great experience and it's fun. You know, at the end of the day, we spend so much time in the gym grinding, you know, learning this, this volleyball thing. Got to have some fun at some point, right. you know, got to do some fun things. So let's talk about those changes that you mentioned off the top. Uh, what are some of the things that when, when you came in day one, you wanted to do differently with this program? Probably the most important thing was just um, seeing Quinnipiac Volleyball in a more, um, in a larger light, let's call it. Um, With all due respect, Quinnipiac Volleyball had always been looked at, I would say before I got here, had always been looked at as a mediocre type of program. Um, And I think, and that's just my personal opinion, and I mean no disrespect to it um, or by it to any of the previous coaches or uh, the administration, it just... They weren't pushing the envelope, you know. They weren't um, training in a, you know, more than a mediocre fashion. Um, it was very, again, my opinion, subpar. So we got in here and we started, you know, really making sure that the girls are looking at the program in this light where they're part of the elite. Um, they're going to work harder than they ever worked. They're going. The expectations will be raised. Um, and the environment that they were living in is going to be raised uh, to a higher level. So I think that was those were the biggest changes right when I got here. And now you've you've seen growth from your program, as you said, off the top, you know, within the first couple weeks of the season. So what are some of the areas that you've seen your team grow? Um, that leadership we talked about. Yeah. You know, we're starting to see uh, some seniors who were here who had never really had a big voice. That's come out a lot. Um, you know, when you have a lot of freshmen that or younger underclassmen that have to step up, we're starting to see those guys really um, put forth the effort to become more than just I'm the underclassman who sits here and, and kind of waits my turn. Um, they're really stepping up. So our leadership has really grown uh, since the beginning, I think. Yeah, and you have already seen uh, new expectations have results. Uh, you guys beat Marist, and you guys are beating these teams in the MAC where – it's it's going to start to be the norm. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hesitant and I smile because um, 
the results are what they should be. You know, we should, in my opinion, again, with all due respect, we should be beating Maris, you know, and that should, that's the walk. Um, we should be walking all the time, but it can't just – we have to walk the walk and talk the talk, however it goes, you know. So, um, yeah, there's been some success there, but back in previously, if they beat Maris, it's like this whole big thing. Okay, fine. We beat Maris. We want to be beating Maris regularly. We want to be competing against Fairfield and beating them regularly. Uh, we should get to a point where our expectation is to win, you know, a conference championship and be in the NCAA tournament. Um, and that means you're beating all these teams. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's kind of what I meant about the subpar mentality. They were just happy when they beat a Maris or maybe a Fairfield. Well. No, we're going to think of it in, in a larger light. We should be um, playing a strong non-conference schedule to prepare us for the conference and then um, do well in our conference to go to the NCAA tournament. So let's talk a little bit about you. I mean, uh, a very interesting story in terms of the playing career. But before we get to, <coughs> to everything overseas and, and things like that, um, when did you first get into volleyball? I first got into volleyball in uh, – I'm going to – obviously date myself but let's see uh 19 like 91 um i swam all four years of, or all three and a half years of high school um in high school and really got tired of getting up super early in the morning to go swim and then swim after school um i wasn't a very good swimmer you know so it wasn't like i had this whole dream of being an olympian swimmer you're an olympic swimmer um and i just i had had enough and I grew up in a really tough neighborhood. So I had a math teacher who was like, hey, we can't let you just hang out in the neighborhood anymore if you're gonna stop swimming, you gotta do something. Um, he said, why don't you come and do this volleyball thing with us in the morning? And I'm like, volleyball, isn't that like badminton, you know, like- Get it over the you net. You get it man. over the net, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. And, uh, and I'll, I'll never forget it, Mr. Ganone, my math teacher, he, uh, I showed up like maybe the next morning and him and a bunch of other uh, teachers and a couple of students, um, they were playing this volleyball thing, and they, they put me right in, and I literally fell in love within maybe the first two plays. You know, just the ability to go up, you know, leave the earth, as I like to you know, think of it, for a split second, and send something back, you know, an object back firing to the earth, you know, hitting this ball. It was amazing for me. So, um yeah, I was I was a junkie after that. I was the uh, prototypical athletic kid, you know. When you know, I took the I slept with my uh, volleyball. I hit it, you know, against the wall all day. Any chance I, I could get, I was playing volleyball at that point. So stops with the uh, of course after after the first realization of how much you loved it. Stops with the the U.S. national team, and then time in Greece, Puerto Rico, and Belgium. Mm-hmm playing volleyball so i mean what are what are some of your memories playing volleyball in those countries and i have a secondary question after you answer this one. okay <laughs> um my best memories of playing overseas you know in retrospect is um how much it made me mature you know um in the very beginning it was like just this wild and crazy adventure you know i i, I literally got on a plane and 
you know, flew to Amsterdam and uh, traveled around Europe for like two weeks playing volleyball. I got picked up on the team in Belgium and knew nothing about the country, uh, but found out really quickly that it's the size of like a three hour drive and it's built off of cigarettes, chocolate and beer. I didn't smoke, but I love beer and I love chocolate. So it was great. <laughs> uh, so oh, I, yeah. I started yeah. to fit in really quick. And um, yeah, but, you know, it was wild and crazy at the beginning, but it taught me really quick that this is a business. There's a business side of this game that we do or that we live for. And, uh, yeah, I just, um, I don't know. I matured really quick to understand that I had to be responsible for my actions. Um, the, the partier maybe that I was in college, it wouldn't fly in a professional environment um, where people were expecting me to do my job. And if I didn't, I probably didn't get paid. You know, I was like, oh, you're not going to pay me the 1100 bucks I was getting, like, you know, per month. Like, yeah, maybe not. Like, okay, then I'll, I'll have to start growing up a little bit here. So, um, yeah, it just taught me how to mature. And over my years, my three years in Belgium, I learned a ton. And it prepared me for uh, picking up with the national team or, or and, you know, getting on a squad there and, um, and you know, staying as long as I did with on the national team and then prepare me to go to Greece as a true professional and playing the game at a very high level against very good competition um, and being seen as, um, I don't want to say one of the best, but seeing as a really good professional uh, in a really good league at the time. So with this maturity in different countries comes speaking the language of that country. Mm -hmm. and sure, I, yeah. I talked to Scott. He said that you speak multiple languages and communicate these languages including Greek with your teammates yeah so I actually think I only speak one language and it's a mixture of all these different languages <laughs> yeah. so it's yeah. almost like a patois, you know yeah. yeah so you know there was a point where my Dutch was really good um, where I could you know negotiate my own contract in in Dutch and Flemish um, my uh, my Spanish comes and goes you know we travel my wife and I our family we travel a lot to um, Central America so my Spanish is usually really good once I'm down there um, my Greek was really good for a while but um, you just lose it you know like anything else it's, it's like even like my English you know if if the radio wasn't on you'd hear my dirty like Philadelphia accent and like the dirty words we say like you know uh, not dirty but you mean just you know we say jeet yet instead of did you eat yet you know so oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah, the, yeah, the slang. For me. Yeah, the yeah, slang. Yeah. That's what it is. But I yeah. thought I so, heard it too when you said water. <clears throat> yeah, like water. Yeah, yeah, so water, and water, people always give it. me crap yeah. about it. But um, so yeah, you know, it was. Um, but that's part of the maturing. You know, um, I think one of the beautiful things when you leave our country is you go someplace that's different, and are given an opportunity to learn about that place, and you can take a little bit of it, and you know, add it to who you whom you are as a person and come home as a bigger, better person. And that's that's what I did. I mean, for a kid from the streets of Philly, you're not supposed to go, you're not supposed to leave Philly, let alone go to, you know, school in the Hamptons, you know, go play overseas, uh, multiple different countries, multiple different languages. Um, it's just not supposed to happen. So I did the right thing by coming back a bigger and better version of myself. And sticking on the topic of some of these these other countries that you were able to go to to play, you know, what is the culture around the sport of volleyball in some of those other countries? It's just a more professional uh, mentality, you know, and that's probably why I like recruiting uh, some international uh, athletes. 
you know, they come with a no nonsense uh, business attitude towards the work that we do. Um, I tell all our recruits, no matter where they're from, don't get it twisted. This is a business, okay? There are jobs and livelihoods that are on the line every day. Um, so we've got to come in and be professional about it. And unfortunately, the American girls don't always get that, you know, because that's just our system and it's not their fault. It's just our system where a girl from Greece, a young woman from Greece who comes here to play at, let's say, 17, 18 years old. Well, probably for, let's call it 10 to 12 of those years, she's been in a very professional environment where they know how to uh, respect the game in, in, in just a different way. Um, I guess it's kind of hard to explain, but it's just very professional. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, it's, um, it, it just comes with the territory, I guess. So at what point did, uh, did coaching come into, uh, come into your life? Um, or was it always in the back of your head? No, it never was in, in the back of my head. I coached a little bit on, at my first club in Belgium, uh, like a youth team and then helped with the women's team. Um, that's kind of how, how it goes when you're overseas, you might have to help with like a second division team. Um, if you want to make some extra scratch and when you're making yeah. 1100 bucks a month and, and back then it was actually Belgian francs. So maybe I was making anywhere from a grant to 1200 bucks a month, depending on the conversion. Okay. Um, so any, so every extra little bit, yeah, extra a little bit. Oh no, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and especially the first year when it's like, Oh, you know, beers a quarter, sometimes beers 50 cent, like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you start adding it up. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, I just – after a while, I was so in love with playing, I never thought about what next. And then when the writing started to become very clear to me on the wall that my playing career was going to have to end because you always think you're going to play forever. But it was like, uh-oh, that guy's five years younger than me. He started to jump higher than me. I'm moving slower. I'm done. What next? And um, – Penny Lucas White, who was the head coach at Air Force, she, I had known her from camps and USA volleyball, doing stuff there in the springs. She offered me a job, and I was like, "Hey, why not? Let's do it." Um, but then I fell in love with the organizational and the structure side of coaching, working with Penny, um, who taught me a lot. And I was, for some reason, I, in my head, I was always going to be happy with um, being a really good assistant. I never wanted to be in the spotlight. Um, but then I learned very quickly if I wanted to do it my way, you know, I needed to be the guy. Because um, when, when you're an assistant, it's it's really um, – it's not up to you. You don't call the shots. So that actually works perfectly now. The first head coaching job comes at LIU Brooklyn, mm -hmm. uh, 2008 to 2015, and now uh, five <coughs> NCAA tournament appearances – five NEC titles, the NEC Coach of the Year four times, the only coach in NEC history to win it four times. Uh, a <laughs> record of... Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, all right. Uh, according to the, the Quinnipiac website, so congratulations. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it, yeah. Um, final record of 144-83 and 83, uh, and then 90-10 and 10 in conference, and that finished up with a 14-0 and 0 perfect record in conference final year with final year with LIU. Yeah. Oh, sweet. So it's I, not bad. Not yeah, bad. it's cool. I, and I honestly, all that. Yeah. I didn't know any of that stuff. <laughs> I may, maybe I know the coach of the years, but right. I, I don't. Yeah. But Dan reads off these stats, yeah. and you're at LIU Brooklyn. Why leave? Yeah, I left. Honestly, it was. I got to the point where I felt like I couldn't do much more. You know, I had a ton of support from my AD, um, our provost that was there, also a ton of support. 
um, recruiting was was going good. You know, there were there were no problems. I just felt like, you know, what I was trying to accomplish in volleyball at that moment, I had taken LIU as far as I could. Um, and then on the other side of it, it was a family decision. What was right for our family at the time? Um, we had this great, I mean, great New York City apartment right across the street from the school. We were paying maybe 1100 bucks a month, which in Brooklyn is a steal. I mean, literally highway robbery. Um, great location, the whole deal. But our family was getting bigger, and that apartment was starting to feel really small. Um, we would never be in a position to, you know, buy anything in Brooklyn. And our family wanted to grow, you know. So uh, Santiago Restrepo, who was the head coach at OU at the time, who's a very old friend of mine, he had for years been asking me to come out and be his assistant. And I was still doing my LIU thing, and I had these uh, ambitions and aspirations. And then um, at this time, I had fulfilled all those ambitions and aspirations, and uh, it was just the right time to go. So before we move to the uh, the Quinnipiac process, you know, what were some of your favorite memories from your time at LIU? Because I'm assuming with all of that success, there are uh, there are a few few different moments that stick out there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we had so many. Yeah. Um, I love my team at LIU, and um, very similarly, how I love my team here at, at Quinnipiac. Um, why do I love them? Just great young ladies. Um, great, great support from our AD, ADs, um, you know, even our senior women's administrator, all the administration. Um, yeah, we just had so much fun. You know, the girls uh, had the right mentality um, that, for me at least, they want to work. is very blue-collar, and that's what I am. Um, you know, when it comes to competition, I'm a fighter, and the girls will tell you I, I like to compete, um, and we love to compete with that group. Um, we didn't worry too much about winning because we just felt like the winning would take care of itself if we came in and worked hard and competed every day. Um, so, I mean, there was just so many great memories. Uh, you know, I mean, from different plays. Uh, if you look at, <clears throat> excuse me, different pictures from that time, I mean, you, you can just see it. Like, we just had so much fun with that group. Um, 95, 99% of them bought into our philosophy and what we were trying to do and build. Um, and that always helps. And then, um, yeah, we just we just enjoyed each other. We enjoyed, you know, and it was never always perfect. Don't get it wrong. Like, you know, there were always these battles. But at the end of the day, we, we still cared about each other. But I want to take a pit stop at Oklahoma mm -hmm. because you went from LAU, Brooklyn, and then now Big 12 volleyball. It's all the same. You think it's all the same? It's all the same. So even with a name like Oklahoma and teams that you play at Oklahoma, like Baylor, mm -hmm. who is the number one team in the country, yeah. it's all the same game? It, it's all the same game. The The volleyball IQ changes a little bit. Uh, the size of the athlete changes a little bit, size and speed. But at the end of the day, for me and my philosophy and the way I think, we're, it, this is an art. You know, well, I, I, I look at it like it's an art for me. You know, I've never been a good painter. I can't, you know, sing or play an instrument very well. Excuse me. So this is my art. And I coach the way I coach because we're trying to play the beautiful game. You know, that most beautiful, perfect game that you're like, wow, that was that was really cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all the same game. And, and whether it's at LIU, you know, our LIU team, 
and I, again, I don't know the years of the stats. You probably know more than I do. But there was a year that we, you know, we beat Alabama, you know, on the road. We beat Michigan State at their place. You know, we beat like I don't know Western Kentucky or something like that. That was ranked. You know, we're beating teams that we're not supposed to beat. And people say, "Oh, you're not supposed to beat them." We go, "Well, of course we are." You know, we're all we're, playing yeah. the same game. Right. You know, we're maybe have to work a little bit harder because your girls are taller and you know and, and more athletic, but. Our girls are as smart as you are, uh, better volleyball players, and um, they're in search of this beautiful game instead of every win. You know, um, we go to the tournament and we give Penn State maybe the best you know match of their year in in the NCAA. And I'm again, whatever year that was, you can just look at it. You, if you're a volleyball aficionado, you can look at it and go, oh, those guys are playing a game at a really high level. But they're five nine, and those girls are six five. Okay, so we get it. At some day, you know, at some point, the height or the strength is going to win over. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was all the same, whether it was LIU or OU or now here Quinnipiac. And to bring everything full circle, I mean, what was the process of finding Quinnipiac and finding the program, and you know, what sold you on coming to Hamden? Yeah, so they found me. They reached out. Um, Greg Amodio, our AD, reached out. Um, he, he got my name from a mutual friend. And, um, yeah, at first I was like, eh, you know, like Quinnipiac. It was that same old mentality. You know, we had played Quinnipiac a bunch uh, when I was in, in the NEC and when the Q was in the NEC at some point. Yeah, that was and back. Yeah, that was back I forget in, like, the oh, years. I oh, 05 or 06 or – Well, it was when maybe. I was at LIU, so oh eight oh nine, maybe yeah, yeah, the yeah, last yeah, two years. Yeah, yeah. And then um, – so it was still the whole – that whole mentality, like, yeah, they're not serious about volleyball. Um, but, you know, Greg said, and I said that to him respectfully, <laughs> and, he, you know, he laughed, and, you know, he's, and, and, and Greg's a great guy, so he got it. He said, but, no, just get on the plane. Let me show you why you should come here. And, honestly, and I mean this in all honesty, as soon as I got off the plane and saw him, I was sold. And I hadn't even been on campus yet. To, to do this in an art form, you have to do this around people that you want to be around, people that care about you as a person. This is a people business, so the people have to matter. And the way Greg treated me, literally as I was coming down the escalator, you know, he started breaking my balls because I, I wore a suit and he told me not to. And he... <laughs> And I love that about him because that's real people stuff. He wasn't overly like professional and not too laid back that it was like, oh, this guy's not serious. It was just right. And as I said to you, I had been to Connecticut a bunch playing Quinnipiac, Sacred Heart, Central Connecticut. I never realized how beautiful the state is. And, you know, we come here on the bus from LIU, Brooklyn, you know, you see buildings, you wake up, you see trees, okay, we're here, whatever. <laughs> Um, but you, I never paid attention to how beautiful this area it was, is. So as we rode down uh, 91, we pull into campus. And I'm looking around going, this is ridiculous. Like, this is amazing. And he's like, you've been here before, right? Like, yeah, but I never paid attention. We get off the bus. I walk into Burt Khan. We crush you guys down. I go home. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And he laughed. You get back on the yeah, bus. Exactly, <laughs> you know. And um, he said, and he, yeah, of course, he laughed, and he understood where I was getting at. But, um, yeah, it, I was just sold from the beginning with him. And then you see how beautiful this place is. Um, and the next morning, so we had dinner that night. It was great. 
great conversation about the changes that will be made in the program, what they wanted to do with it. Um, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm the guy for that, you know, but let's see how the weekend goes. Uh, well, the next morning uh, for breakfast, I met Billy Mecca. Oh. And it was, I mean, you, if it was a wrap the day before, after yeah, that, it's, yeah, it's over. It, you know, forget it. Like, if you uh, have a chance to listen to his interview on this one, okay. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's amazing. I think it was like 35, 40 minutes of just fire. Oh, yeah. Just fire. Yeah. 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 I mean, and he, he tells me every day, he's like, you might beat me in volleyball, but you'll never beat me at talking crap and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, sounds he, about right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, but I was sold. I mean, just his story alone, how long he's been here. Um, the trials and tribulations that he's gone through and overcome and still in love with this place and how they helped him get over it. It, it just it solidified my thinking of I want to do this. I always knew I wanted to do around do this around good people, great people. Um, but you just never know. You never know. Am, am I just, you know, am I losing my mind? What are you talking about? The people. I've got best friends in the business who don't care about the people. You know, I mean, they don't care about their AD and, and they don't care about, you know, the connection being made with the trainers or young SIDs where that's what's super important for me. Um, the amount of time I spent away from the people I love the most, me, my wife and my kids, uh, doing the things that I love the most, which is golfing, listening to music and and probably... I don't know, more golfing. Yeah. <laughs> but all the amount of time I spent away from those things, it's got to be important, right? You know, if I'm going to come and spend all my you know, time here in the office, I got to love the people I work with. That's why I'm immensely grateful and thankful Katie Uricky's here. Um, you know, having Billy right down the hall with Sarah right down the hall. Um, the support we get down from the training room. Scott's been amazing. Um, you know, people like you guys who I meet around campus have made me feel uh, welcome and feel felt at home here. Um, yeah, it, it's it's all about the people, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, and um, and that's what sold me on the place. And you also did you also feel like it was the correct challenge that you needed in this time in your career? Because like Dan said, 14 and 0, you bring that program to as much as you could, and now you're kind of rebuilding and bringing a new culture to this program yeah what i love about trying to hunt for that that most beautiful game is the teaching part of it i love to teach you know i again i was a kid from philly that never should have left philly you know by all the statistics i should be dead right now you know it's being 100 percent straight up with you the neighborhood i grew up in 79th and ogon's west oak lane i should be dead or the most amazing drug dealer ever because that's the culture I came up in. So I beat the statistics because I had, you know, great coaches and great people that helped me along the way, that taught me how to do this thing at a high enough level to first get me off the streets, and then a high enough level to get me out of Philadelphia, then a high enough level to get me overseas, and then on to the national team. And then you know that they, you don't people don't just give that to you to hold on to it for the rest of your life now i have an opportunity to get back you know i love to teach and that's what we're doing now and that's you know why i say the record of our team doesn't show how good our girls really are um because with all that teaching all the knowledge they're getting it's some of the girls it's like it's like learning uh quantum physics they're like what are you talking about so now we have to go back and teach them 
the algebra of volleyball, the, the, the addition of volleyball. So, um, yeah, this is the right challenge. It, um, it's a place that will let me be me, that I can be comfortable being me and do the things that I love to do, which is teach. Should we ask some right. questions? Yeah, now it's time for the questions. Uh, so okay. we, we asked three. Did you just ask like a boatload of questions? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, but these I'm, I'm nervous now. But, but these are the questions. Yeah, yeah. So we okay. asked three questions to all of our guests. Ah, okay, got uh, it. These are the more personal ones. These are these are asking sure. a little bit more about you. Uh, so the first one, if you could live anywhere in the world that is not Hamden, Connecticut, where would it be and why? Yeah, uh, anyone who really knows me and Katie laughs. Uh, at the end of the day, when this is all said and done, if you want to find me, you'll find me in Greece. You'll find me in, in probably Crete in the way south, um, Creta, which is the largest island. Or you'll find me um, hanging out up north in Alexandrupoli, uh, which is a small town on the coast, uh, about 17 kilometers from the Turkish border. Um, look, m my first three years in Belgium were amazing. And I have some amazing family that I've gained from that trip. Um, and the same thing with Greece. This is Greece is just, it's magical. It's a special, special place. Um, and I don't, I don't, you know, um, make any argument about, about it when people say, oh, you don't, you don't love America. It's like, no, I love America, <laughs> but you just have never been to Greece, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> you know, um, it's just a very, very magical place. And the people are, are amazing, amazing people. Yeah, like one of those things. If you had been to Greece, you'd love Greece just as yeah. much as I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the second one, um, if you could have dinner with one person, either alive or deceased, could be anybody. Who would it be, and why? Wow. Um, it opens up. It opens up the options. We've had sure. we've had a lot. Yeah. Sure. Um, who I am as a person, I would probably say Gandhi. You know. Um, it's just weird, man. I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I might even get a little emotional about it. Like, uh, I, I'm a very humble and grateful person. You know, I'm grateful and humbled by the fact that I get to sit here and do this job, and be talking to you guys right now. I think uh, this world, and this is probably why I love Greece so much. This world is such a better place because of great people. And people who are in search of peaceful and humble things in life, you know. And I would love to know how Gandhi, how his life was so centered around just peace in such a chaotic time. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm sure he would he would say something very uh, philosophical and mind blowing, and I could expect that. But it would just be cool to just you know hear how. He sacrificed so much in chaotic times because um, I think, unfortunately, that is the world we live in. And that's how we're going to get to peace is when we learn to sacrifice in these chaotic times that I believe are here in our in our world. That would be an that interesting was, conversation. Just, I mean, how, how you, through all the chaos, stay true to yourself and what sure. you believe. That mm -hmm. is, that's very true. And yep. that was, I think, the first Gandhi we've ever had. Hmm. I think, I think yeah, so. That had yeah, to be. through 36, yeah. yeah. Right on. Um, so the last one, uh, you were on death row. What is your final meal, your dinner, your I drink, you said when I was born, dessert? death row. No. <laughs> I was like, hold on, what story did you hear? I, maybe the facts weren't all true. <laughs> Either the same place I got all the LIU Brooklyn yeah, right. yeah, They had everything. Okay, so I'm on death row. What are... Uh, dinner, drink, and dessert for your final meal. Wow. Anything from anywhere. 
These debates get heated. Uh, <laughs> dinner, drink, and dessert. <clears throat> um, well, listen, I love beer. Um, so, and I told you, my first three years in Belgium, educational. So, Belgium's got over 400 different types of beer. People talk about the beer capital of the world, Germany. That's not true. It's Belgium. Right. Okay. And we're talking, again, the, the center of, you know, you can get around the country in three hours. Like, so it'd have to be, um, it'd have to be a bush beer from Belgium, which is not like our bush beer. You can get like, you know, ten dollars yeah, a box of pounder. Yeah, your bush no, light cans. Yeah, it's 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 dark. It's rich. It's it's a piece of art, you know. So that's what I would want. So you're drink. more of like the rich style of beer and not light. I, I love it all. Okay, I love it all. Yeah, yeah. So so like we get uh, Stella here. You know Stella. Yep, I'm sure. Of course. Okay, so Stella is the Budweiser of Belgium. Right. You know. And it's a beautiful beer. It's a beautiful, yeah. you know, clean, light that beer. That says a lot about the, the beer culture. Right, exactly. And that's, that's what I'm getting that's at. The so, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm fine with uh, light, dark, uh, but, you know, bush, this bush, this whatever, you know, it's it's just really, really good. Um, dessert, more than likely would have to be a slice of jun- Junior's Cheesecake, which is from uh, – Brooklyn. I just you <laughs> that I just really I'm, and look, the, I'm the no, cheesecake guy on the show. Yeah. He's the cheesecake yeah. guy, and this has to be the third straight guest who has said that. <laughs> Listen, I mean, he te- did he tell you? Did no, he, he, you he, he didn't tell me. In? But where, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up right in Connecticut, so I'm from okay, the Northeast. Yeah. All right, so yeah. Philadelphia is really where cheesecake like they make the best cheesecake. There's okay. a diner in, in Philly that I grew up getting cheesecake from. Cheese, right? Correct. Yeah, you know, so. But Junior's Cheesecake, they make this layer of like, it's like a regular cake on the, the base layer. And then the, this beautiful, rich cheesecake on top. It's a masterpiece. Don't get Again. Me wrong. Junior's is a phenomenal restaurant. Yeah, it's and fantastic. it's a great restaurant. Yes. Fantastic okay. So restaurant. you've been there. All right. You've, yes. you've been there before. Yes. Right. You're, you're paying $15 a head, but you're going to get like $30 <laughs> a head worth of food. Right. Yeah. 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 It's great. Okay. I'm here for juniors. Mm-hmm. It's just I am more chocolate. <laughs> that, okay. Yeah. Chocolate would... cheesecake. You know. That's true. Now, are you getting the? I have, are you getting the traditional the the traditional straight up cheesecake with a little bit of the cake on the bottom? Do you do any fruit on top? Generally, no. Okay. I'll, I'll yeah. eat it anyway, yeah. but I like it just straight up. Okay. Yeah. That that works. Yeah. You really can't go wrong. Yeah. That one. I'll eat cheesecake. It's just not yeah. my first. I just I just think it's funny. We've uh, out of thirty six episodes and all the guests, at least a third have probably said cheesecake. Yeah. So it's just, it. it makes me happy as a person. But, yeah. Uh, and then the dinner, the last one. The dinner would have to be. Um, there's a place in Belgium called Mama's Garden, and they make a dish called Kipmekkas, chicken with cheese. Um, and it's just the way they season it and serve it. <laughs> you can't go wrong. And, and part of me wants to say a slice of pizza, but and because I love pizza, I would eat pizza. I would eat a slice every day in my life right. if I could. So would I. You know, easily <laughs> every single day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I I go to Eli's. You know, um, I've got my other place. Um, what's it? Sal's right up the road. Oh yeah. Okay, um, so you are uh, Sal's is good. Okay, but they just closed down my other spot. Um, oh my god. What we're see Manja closed. I love their pizza. Their crust was decadent. It was perfect. So have you hit the New Haven spots too? Like uh, Pepe's. I've been to Pepe's once. Modern? 
I haven't been to Modern yet. Modern and is Sally's. phenomenal. And okay, I haven't been there yet. Also phenomenal. I hear they're amazing. I'm, I'm just very lazy, and I'm a local guy. Like I'm, I'm like an, <laughs> I'm a neighborhood guy. I'm, <laughs> on the I'm a hood guy. Side, on the closer side, we love Old World, which is in which Walling, is, Wallingford. Okay, I'll have to check it out. Old World is closer than New Haven. Yeah, if you go right down Whitney Avenue past the past the Dairy Queen and think. Yep. But anyways, anyways, <laughs> I'll find it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, so you yeah. would go a slice of pizza if you could. Every if day, I could, but, but, but yeah. if if someone said, "Hey, we could zap a plate of Kit Metcalf here with you," in a heartbeat, okay. pieces out the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. God, you tra- you've traveled the world and you still said cheesecake. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was trying to think of a dessert like. Dessert. Every place I've been, what dessert have I had that's better than a slice of Junior's cheesecake? Not and I, and that's I just, how great it is. Yeah. And then no cheesesteak as a Philadelphia guy. Yeah, and, and I, same thing. I could eat them. I had one yesterday. I was at the Yankee game last night, and I had oh, one with wow. my kid. Really? Yeah. Okay. So um, Jersey Mike's or something, they've got to stand there. We stood in line for like an hour just to get two steaks. But, <laughs> but you know, I, you got to do it. You got to do it. But, uh, yeah, I mean – it's just a great plate of food. I think I where but where did I go in Philly for my cheesesteak? Is there a Geno's? Yeah, of course. Okay, and you went to the, like one of the worst places ever. Yeah, but all right, we won't hold it against you. Yeah. All right, it was probably four like fourth or fifth on the list. Yeah, like, yeah, way yeah. Down, yeah, yeah. Way yeah. down. And then Jim's is there? Jim's. You got to go to Jim's. Okay. Jim's Fat Daddy's. Um, who's my guy down on the? Jim's and Fat Daddy's. Oh, noted. Those are yeah, my two noted. favorite. Yeah. You know. Um, but you know, it's it's Philly. You can get a great steak pretty much any place unless you go to Jim's or or, Gen- or Genios or Pats. I mean, yeah, Genios yeah. and Pats right across the street from each other. They used to be great, but then they just fell they off lost the, the touch. They lost right. the touch. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kyle, this has been an awesome conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for taking both the guys. time really to join good. us, and uh, best of luck heading through the season. Yeah, good luck, thank coach. you guys so much. Yeah, yeah I appreciate it. Thanks so much to Kyle Robinson for joining us here on episode number 36 of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. That is going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. Go online to GoBobcats.com. You can find everything you'll need from Bobcat Nation right there. Everything about all 21 Division I athletic teams. You can follow the Quinnipiac Volleyball team on Twitter at QU underscore WVB. So that is the Women's Volleyball page on Twitter. And while you're there, make sure you follow Quinnipiac Athletics on Twitter at QU Athletics. You can also follow them on Instagram at that exact same title. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play so you can get all of our episodes first and leave us a review. Rate our podcast. We would really appreciate it, and it helps us grow. Matt, how can we find you? Speaking of helping us grow, you yes. can help me grow by following me at Emma Call of Seven on both platforms. And I'm at Dan Ball, B A H L. Lastly, if you're watching Quinnipiac Winter Sports on ESPN Plus, or if you're in the People's United Center at any point, you're going to be able to see our faces. We're going to have podcast interviews going up on the video broadcast throughout the winter. It won't be every single week, but most weeks when we're able to do video content, we'll have that. And then we're going to have promotional videos on the big boards at the People's United Center every game. Find our faces. Look out for our faces. We're super excited about this promotion. We're trying to grow this podcast. So give us a follow, a subscribe, everything. And we're going to continue to grow our social media presence as well. We're working on some of those plans as well. So the pod is growing. Jump in while you can because it's going to be a fun ride. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Good night.
The theme song of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast is Wire and Flashing Lights by Professor Click. 